That's so Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four. And uh, I'm going to look at a couple verses at the beginning of the chapter. We're going to skip a little bit and then look at uh, some later on in the chapter. I'm not going to look at the whole thing, but I think two pieces of it really give us a picture. Um, King Joash is this chapter, um, and I, he's, I haven't heard about him a whole lot. I know I've read uh, you know, his life multiple times, but never have preached on it. So I was looking at it, uh, and it really caught my eye when I was digging in uh, the other day, so I kept digging even further. So, uh, But Second Chronicles 24, verse 1, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's uh, name was Ziba of Beersheba, and Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all of the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada uh, took for him uh, two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. Then we're going to skip all the way down to verse 15. Verse 15 says, But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Uh, then the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Yet he sent uh, prophets to them to bring them again to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach tonight. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Open up our ears and our hearts. Lord, help us to learn from your word tonight. Lord, convict where we need convicting. Lord, uh, teach and give us wisdom where we need that. Lord, help us to draw closer to you. Help us to continue. Lord, we just want to be found doing your will. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So King uh, Joash is who we're talking about. Uh, so his father was King Ahaziah. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But he was killed, and his mother, so Joash's grandmother, is Athaliah. And Athaliah had all of uh, the sons of Azahiah killed uh, so that she could be the queen. So she had all of her grandsons killed so that there would be no, uh, no next in line to the throne, nobody becoming king uh, or anything like that. So she could take the throne. Uh, but in the uh, previous, in the story, uh, the previous chapter, the story is that Joash was taken when he was one years old and was hidden before he could be killed. They hid him uh, in the house of the Lord. And, and here, this isn't a coincidence, by the way, that one escaped, you know, one of them. Uh, and, and we see this all the way through the Old Testament. We see it over and over again. We see it in the New Testament as well. The devil tries to eradicate, doesn't he? He tries to cut off the line. He tries to get rid of everything. He, he's tried to get rid of the Jews uh, multiple times. He tried to get rid of uh, Adam and Eve's seed. He tried to do everything to ruin God's plan. Uh, but Joash, by God's will, was hidden. And he's raised by the priest Jehoiada. So he lived 
lives in the house of God. Uh, he lives there with Jehoiada the priest. So his father had died. Uh, so Jehoiada acts as a father to him until he's seven years old. So Queen uh, Athaliah, his grandmother, she was the daughter of Jezebel. So Ahab and Jezebel were her parents. Remember, they worshiped Baal. Uh, they were into idol worship and everything else. And so when Queen Athaliah, when she took the throne, she brought idol worship with her. She brought Baal worship back uh, and everything else. So verse 1 in our passage, chapter 24, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. He reigned 40 years uh, in, in Jerusalem. So we see uh, they anointed Joash as king uh, and Athaliah, uh, she had already been queen. Uh, they waited for several years and then all of a sudden they decide they're going to anoint him king. They had her killed uh, and the priests of Baal are killed and now Joash is the new king. So you can read that uh, and other, like I said, in Chronicles and Kings, you can read that story. Uh, but he's coming from... You know, this family, you think of Ahab and Jezebel and his, his grandmother killed all of his, uh, you know, all of his brothers and everything else. Just a wicked family line. Uh, but I like verse 2. Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Do you see that? Isn't that a blessing? You know, you think about how he uh, uh, is able to break, uh, what do they call it today? A generational curse, right? They're saying, hey, uh, if this one is into drugs, if this one's an alcoholic, then the sun is going to be, the next line is going to be, and it's just going to be like that over and over again. But aren't you glad that God can break uh, that chain, that cycle of sin, that cycle of addiction, the cycle of wickedness and everything else? And that's what he did right here. See, because the logic would tell you they would all be idol worshipers, right? They would all continue to do that. But I'm glad that God can break the chains. He ends up, verse 3, he takes uh, two wives. Uh, he has sons and daughters, so he starts a family. And then verse 4, I like this. And it came to pass after this uh, that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. We didn't read verse 7, but verse 7 says, For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. So you see what she did. She damaged the Lord's house. She trashed it, then took things out of it uh, to use in idol worship, to use and worship false gods. And I was thinking about that, and, uh, uh, you know, I've done... A little more traveling in the job I'm in now once a week. Uh, uh, we've been trying to go to some different places. And as I drive through some of these towns and, and even ones we know like Delaware and different ones, you see these churches right downtown. You see these uh, that have been there for a long time, you know, over 100, 150 years, some of them. Uh, have been there uh, and you see now that they are nowhere near like they were if you would have gone to some of those churches 60 70 80 100 years ago it would not be like it is today in fact I believe a lot of them you go back 100 years ago and not even that long it wouldn't have been much different than here in fact they might have been more on fire than we are you know you uh, but what's happened right now the building itself uh, yes, it's gotten older and everything else, but the physical building's not been damaged. 
but spiritually they're just they're damaged they're broken there is nothing there left uh, that used to be uh, the preaching of truth the preaching of sin and salvation through Jesus Christ is gone because the devil has infiltrated them desecrated everything that's holy right that's what she did in the house of the Lord that's what they've done have they desecrated it with their modern liberal theology with their questioning everything about the Bible with their inventing a new Jesus that loves everything and puts up with everything that accepts all type of sinful behaviors but I'm telling you what even in the brokenness I'm glad that uh, uh, you know it seems like uh, an impossibility but I believe there could even be revivals in some of those churches it doesn't seem very likely but I'll tell you what our God's never needed likely before the Holy Spirit can touch hearts we just need to pray for some of them but Joash decided we can tell uh, in verse 4 that he's after it, right? After he's married, after he started his family, after he's had children growing up, uh, that he's saying, hey, the house of the Lord needs repaired. Right? It needs repaired. See, there was a wake-up call in his life spiritually. And it happened after his children were born. Uh, and this is, uh, this is the thing. He looks at the house of God and says, hey, I believe he remembered. Right? I remember when I was a young boy growing up in the house of the Lord. I remember how there used to be worship. I remember uh, how, this, how it used to be. Uh, now, when his grandmother took over, they, they stopped all of that. And it had continued to be stopped for a time uh, but now uh, we're seeing that he's saying, hey, this place needs repaired. And I, here's what I'm praying. When we pray for revival, I believe we're praying for the Holy Spirit to spiritually wake some people up. And it may be because they're having children born and they're like, well, I remember how I grew up. I, my children need a rooted and grounded faith, even though they're not walking for the Lord. Sometimes that's what it takes. Jimmy Cantrell said that. He said, hey, James was born. And he's like, well, I got to get James in church. And really, the Lord was using that to get him in church, right? I, I, I don't know what uh, some of these people, uh, they need a wake-up call. They need that spiritual shaking from the Lord. And I pray that it happens soon, don't you? I pray uh, time is wasting. Uh, uh, there are so many people that have found success in this life, right? Success in careers, success in everything else, worldly success. But they're missing Jesus Christ. Man, they need a wake-up call. They need Jesus. They need the Holy Spirit. I'm glad he can still do it. But in verse 5, we didn't read it, but what Joash says is, hey, to the Levites, you go out, you collect money, you bring it back and do it quickly, and we're going to repair the house of the Lord. But guess what? They didn't do it. Right? They didn't do it. They disobeyed the king. So then Joash, part of the big section we didn't read there in the middle, he has a chest built, a wooden chest. He drills a hole in it, and they collect offerings there by the altar, and they start collecting a whole bunch of offerings. They start repairing the house of the Lord. And by the time you get to verse 14, uh, the worship, they've got all the, the houses repaired. The vessels are back there. All the things that they need to worship, the burnt offerings have restarted. Everything is back to the way it should be in verse 14 what a blessing right what a blessing but look at verse 14 15 what's it start with everything's going great spiritually in, four, in verse 14 verse 15 starts with but but Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died 130 years old was he when he died they buried him uh, and then verse 17 now uh, after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah 
They made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. My chronological Bible, now some of the dates I know are estimates, but you think about it, if he started ruling when he was seven, and then he decided to fix the house of the Lord when he was married with children, a lot of time has passed, right? And my, uh, my chronological Bible says that he had been ruling for 38 years by this point, not 100% sure how they figured it out, but they used the ages and everything else. Uh, but really, he would have been 45 years old at this time, if that's correct. So we know he's about that old when his father figure, the priest, dies at 130. And as soon as he dies, you see the princes of Judah come, right? As soon as that happens, they come. They're bowing down to him. They're kissing his ring. They're flattering him. Oh, king, you know, uh, we, we just have a couple ideas that'll make things better. Uh, and then uh, he starts listening to them and he goes along with their ideas. And look at verse 18. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And the wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this trespass. As soon as Jehoiada is dead and gone, Joash folds under the peer pressure, right? He turns. What's he doing? Society thinks it's right. The princes think what's right. That's peer pressure. Those around him have a different idea. We shouldn't be, you know, that worshiping the Lord. That's old fashioned. They used to do that a long time ago. Uh, this veil worship is modern. It's better. Uh, everything's better. You can see uh, your God. You don't have to imagine him. He's not invisible. You don't have to uh, have faith or anything. We can see Baal, right? We can worship him. Uh, we can do things. We can offer our children to him and get a blessing and all that stuff. I don't know what all they said but we can see that immediately he turns from the lord and goes to worshiping idols but you know what i noticed there's a progression in verse 18 what happens first and they left the house of the lord god of their fathers then they served idols and groves do you see that i don't think that's a mistake right there i have seen it over and over again you leave the lord's house Right? No matter what your reasoning is, you quit, you walk away, you say, I don't have to be in the church to be a Christian. You do all these things and you will be in that state for a while, but you stay out long enough and you will be serving idols too. And they're thinking, Mike, that's crazy. I, they're not serving statues. I'll tell you the biggest idol that people are serving today is the one in the mirror. It's themselves. Amen? Whatever makes me happy. Whatever, I'm going to need to take care of me. I need to make myself feel good. I need to do all this for myself. And yes, we can't totally neglect ourselves. But again, it's a balance. If all you're doing is taking care of yourself and not doing what God's called you to do, that's sin. That's sin. And the princes of Judah aren't going to tell you that. And the churches in the downtown area flying the rainbow flag aren't going to tell you that. But God's word will tell you that. So they may not be serving Baal today, but I'm telling you, they've walked away. They're worshiping other things, worshiping careers, worshiping hobbies, worshiping themselves and everything else. But look at 19. Yet God, this is God, what God did. He was already angry for them. He was wrath. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. That's mercy. 
right? That is mercy from God. In the Old Testament, right, the God that they say all he has is wickedness and wrath and everything else, which he was angry for their idolatry, but he continued to send prophet after prophet to them to tell them that, hey, they testified against him and said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I mean, pick the king, whatever one you want. Every one of them that turned to worshiping idols from the Lord paid the price. And God even said it all the way from the beginning in the law. He said, don't you do this. But they would not give ear. They wouldn't listen. And guess what? Now, I'm not here to say that we're prophets or anything else. We're not that type of church. But I'll tell you one thing. We are bringing a lot of us the same message to people that have walked away, that people that have walked away from God, that people that are worshiping idols, even though they won't admit it. And it's not a golden statue, but we are coming to them because we've been led by the Holy Spirit with the truth and love to tell them the same types of things. What you're doing is not right in the eyes of God. And what happens? A lot of times they reject us. But it's not us they're rejecting. They're rejecting the Lord. Now they might take it out on us. They might be angry with us. They might cut us off or whatever else. But I'm telling you what, the Lord is merciful. Amen. Because how many of us went through that same period of rejecting the truth when it came to us? Same thing. God's merciful. I said all that to get to the last part. When I look at Joash's life, I can see three big things from his life that we I believe we can take away and here's the thing number one we have to make sure that we are following the Lord and not a man or a woman or someone else because that's the problem Joash was fine as a king he was fine growing up he was fine as long as Jehoiada the priest was alive. I, I mean, it was his spirit raised him as a father. He was a father figure. He was a spiritual leader. He was all of those things. He had the house of God repaired. Uh, it, he even took it upon himself to make sure this was done. Uh, he, he did. He got rid of idol worship. He made, uh, you know, spiritual uh, uh, gains in the country and everything else. But as soon as Jehoiada died, that quickly he flips gears. And I'm thinking, it just amazes me. He's 45, he's grown up serving the Lord, and then all of a sudden, in one day, you got a group of people bowing down, and he walks away from it. You and I cannot tie ourselves to a man or woman because a man or woman will let us down, or God will take them out of this life. They'll go home to be with the Lord, the same thing. And I've seen that, haven't you? You've seen two spouses where one spouse was really the one leading spiritually by far, and then that spouse dies and you don't see the other one anymore because there's no one to push them, no one to say, hey, we're going to church today, right? Have you seen that? No one to say, hey, we're serving the Lord today. We've got to make sure that we are doing things uh, for ourselves. We are doing things for the Lord, not because of somebody else, but we're doing it because we want to do it. We want to serve the Lord. We want to dedicate ourselves. We want to have that relationship with the Lord because it is dangerous. If you follow a person, you will be let down. They will either make some mistake. They'll do something that uh, offends you. They will die. Something will happen. Lord will take them home. It's dangerous. And, and I've seen it. I mean, I've seen the problem. 
So that's number one. You've got to make sure you are following the Lord. You're dedicated to the Lord. And it doesn't matter what happens to anyone else. You're going to continue. But second, we also have to remember that there are people following us. Amen. If we are Jehoiada, there are people watching us, following us, learning from us. And one of the things we need to make sure that we do is make sure that they are growing in the Lord. We cannot be their spiritual uh, babysitter, their spiritual crutch for their entire lives. They've got to take steps of faith on their own. They have to do that. We have to. Uh, here's the thing. If, if not, I mean, imagine if it didn't work that way. Imagine, I, I'm just going to throw this out. This is not true. But imagine if everyone was relying on my faith and the Lord calls me home, the church is done. It folds, shuts down the door. We're done. I don't want that to happen. If the Lord calls me home, I want this church to continue stronger than when I was here. Amen? That's what we should have. We should have that mindset that if something happens to me, if the Lord calls me home, or if, heaven forbid, I walk away from the Lord, I don't want anyone walking away with me. I want them to stay and say, you know what? We're going to pray for him. We're going to continue on. But we can't quit with him. We've got to stay. We've got to do that. We've got to understand that, hey, we, uh, we have to disciple. And, and, and I know we struggle with this word. Uh, we struggle with how it works because we want to see somebody saved and hallelujah, they're saved. But after that, that's when the work starts for the church to get them to grow, get them to step out and get them to continue on. So that way their faith is solid so they can do the first one. They can dedicate themselves to the Lord. And here's the other thing. Number three, we've got to be determined to follow Jesus, to follow his word, to stick with the truth, no matter who comes to us, no matter who says anything, no matter where the society goes, it doesn't matter. We have to. Here's the thing. The princes of Judah will come, right? They're going to come at work. They're going to come at school, right? They're going to come in, at friends, family events, everything. They are going to come at us from every different direction. Peer pressure will come. Uh, the, the, what society accepts will shift away from where we are. It's already happened. It's continuing to happen. But we have got to hold on to the truth. We cannot sell out near the end like Joash did, right? You can't look at him and say, listen, uh, you know, he didn't have the right foundation and, and, and you could blame Jezebel. You can blame all those things. No, it's his fault. He's 45 and he's deciding I'm going to listen to these guys and walk away from everything that's true and good and face the wrath of God. And that's the other sad thing. It doesn't matter how you raise children. It matters. But you can raise several of them in the same home They've got to make their own decisions because one may go this way, one may go that way, and the other one goes that way. They all had the same raising. It happens. You can't beat yourself up You can't because you, you can't redo it once they're, as a parent. You get one shot at it. But here's the thing. They've got to make the choices themselves. After Jehoiada, we cannot blame him. I don't believe we can blame him. I don't see anything in there. Joash decided. He said, I'm done. And there's two verses I'm going to close with. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain 
in the Lord. We've got to remember that over and over again, right? We cannot change. We can't shift. We can't move because this Bible doesn't change or shift or move. Salvation doesn't change, shift, or move. The cross doesn't change. The gospel doesn't. None of those things change, so neither can we. And I know they call us old-fashioned and everything else, but I'll tell you what, I want to go to the old-fashioned heaven. The new heaven that they've created, I don't even know what it is. If you let every sinner into heaven, it's just like this earth. There's no difference. I don't want that. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world. Isn't that what this world wants you to do? They're going to mold, right? They're going to mold and they want you to fit in it. This world, I tell you what drives me nuts is all they do is preach diversity and how important it is for differences of opinions and everything else. Yet once you come up with an opinion that's not theirs, they hate you. Why? They want you to conform. They want you to squeeze into their mold, be just like them, be a carbon copy and everything else. Be different, but be just like them, right? That's what they're saying. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And just like Bob was saying, every one of these, you see service mixed right in there. You cannot separate a Christian life from service. And that's where we grow strong, and that's where we get rooted and grounded from getting in the Bible, from praying, from walking by faith and trusting God. You put all those things together. I don't care how far the world goes away. I don't care how everyone else shifts and everything else. We can stand firm in the truth because I believe that I I still believe that the Holy Spirit is still touching hearts. He's still waking people up. And I believe there are people that are finally getting tired of this world. And as they start to get tired, they've got to have a lighthouse to come to. They've got to have a beacon of truth and they will come to us. But here's the thing. If they're coming to us, we can't just, we have to be ready to share the gospel with them. I think I told Bob this the other day. I said, hey, if we're praying for people to be saved, we also have to be ready to lead them to the Lord, right? If you want it, if your desire is to see somebody saved, then do you know what you would tell somebody? Could you lead somebody to the Lord? If not, make sure, get a track over there, look at it, get some verses, uh, you know, just to practice it or whatever, just be ready. And I, I think if we get ready and we're praying for it, I think God, will, he'll make, give us opportunities, but not just that. But what happens if he sends revival and we get a bunch of souls saved? Then we've got to start teaching, right? I think some of the reasons why we haven't had revival is God knows that we aren't ready to teach him. Amen? But once we get ready and once we're willing, I think it'll come. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad. This world gets so wicked. This world, I'm telling you what, you, I, it, it was, it's been a joke with what I do at work, it's a joke. I say that I don't trust anybody. I've always, I've always said that. Like, you know, you do my job and crime. You don't trust anybody. But it's getting to be true. It's getting to be not a joke anymore. You can't trust anything. You can't trust a call coming in your phone. You can't trust an email clicking anything. You can't trust anything. Now they're faking voices and everything else. They're doing just a million different things. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I can trust the Lord. Aren't you? And his word. So we're going to open up the altar tonight.